Hi, and welcome to Yes Please, your go-to podcast for all things sexuality, pleasure, and orgasms. I've named this podcast Yes Please because that's how I want you to feel about all things sex, pleasure, and orgasms. Yes Please, and more. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here and that you want to learn more about how to experience more shameless pleasure, deeper satisfaction, and ecstatic orgasms in your life and sexuality. And I hope to inspire you to feel that you can embrace and celebrate your sexuality all throughout your life journey. This podcast isn't just about sex and sex education, however. It's about so much more. Personal growth, living a radiant and confident and authentic life, radical joy and expression, and general fucking goodness. I'm your host, Erica Alsborn, and I'm a sexuality teacher and expert sex and birth coach, but you can think of me more as your BFF who you love to talk to about sex and all the intimate things you don't feel comfortable talking about with anyone else. I celebrate the vast and diverse human erotic and sexual experience and I embody a deep shamelessness when it comes to sex in all its different expressions. However, having said that, I am a straight, able-bodied, cisgendered woman and in my work I specialize in female sexuality and I work with women with pussies and while I have a broad and liberal approach to sex and a very extensive training, my knowledge is limited by my own lived experience as well as the focus in my professional work. But I hope you'll learn lots here with me. Expand your idea of what sex is and can be and mean for you and even though I'm an expert on this topic I'm not an authority. Everything I share is always a suggestion not a must so take what resonates and leave the rest behind. I'm always open to receiving your constructive feedback so don't hesitate to reach out if you have any. Okay hi and welcome again I'm delighted that you're here and now let's dive into today's topic. Hey 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 welcome to the podcast today into another fabulous guest episode. Today's episode is Alison Armstrong, an absolute queen, and I'm so honored to have her on my podcast. I actually still feel a little bit like speechless and in awe <laughs> just thinking about the conversation that we had and being in her transmission because it's so fucking potent. She is a a bottomless well of wisdom when it comes to her line of work and she's massively impacted me in the way that I understand myself as a woman, the way I understand and relate to men, and the way I show up and behave in my relationship. And I very often rave about and talk about Allison's work in my courses and with my clients because I see just how profound and life-changing it is. And it really helps people have positive partnership and to also show up in the world as either a man or a woman and feel safe within ourselves but also with the other sex and this is what our conversation in this episode today is centered around it's around women feeling safe with men it's a big topic obviously and there's no way that in an hour we could cover all of it and completely make sense of it and touch all the things and you know but today's episode is a fantastic introduction to Allison's work and her wisdom. I recommend that you grab pen and paper and take notes because this can truly, truly change the way that you see yourself as a woman, the way that you see men, and it can greatly improve your partnership if you make small adjustments based on the understanding and the things that you learn that Allison will share with you today from this conversation that we have. Who is Alison? So, Alison Armstrong's exploration of human behavior began in 1991 with her decision to study men. She says, to find out how I was bringing out the worst in them and hopefully how to bring out the best. So, Alison's success in understanding men naturally led to studying women's behavior and making vital connections between the two. As her work evolved over decades, Allison now illuminates human characteristics that precede and express themselves regardless of gender, age, and upbringing. She distinguishes normal human instincts that compel both men and women to behave in ways that contradict and undermine our own purposes, goals, values, needs, and relationships. Besides fulfilling the need to understand why people behave as they do, Allison offers practical partnership-based alternatives. Through her seminars, books, online programs, and media contributions, she has been giving millions of people access to more fulfilling lives, loving relationships, stronger families, and productive organizations. I agree with all of that, 100%. 
Allison is a sought-after speaker and thought leader amongst people with a desire to live empowered lives. Her philosophy and approach are referenced and taught by other authors, speakers, business consultants, and therapists. Her live events and over 100 hours of online programs are available at her website. There are lots of freebies on her website. And I highly, highly, highly recommend that you read her book, The Queen's Code. That's a great place to start if you want to have a better life and a better relationship if you're a woman with men. Okay, I will shut up now and I'll leave you to the conversation with Allison. Again, I recommend that you have something to take notes on because this is a jam-packed episode with so much wisdom, so, so, so much empowering knowledge. But also, just feel free to listen along and just hope that you remember some of it. <laughs> Enjoy. Okay, welcome, Allison. It's my greatest honor and delight to have you here. And I so appreciate you for taking the time to have this conversation with me. And I am just elated for the listener to receive your wisdom on, on this topic, on these topics that we're going to explore today. So thank you for being here and welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. What's going to happen? Who knows? Who knows? We have, we have so many intersections already. What's going to happen? <laughs> right? Um, so I uh, came across your work when I wanted to learn more about men and women and the differences. But I would just love for you to take a, a short moment and share a little bit about your journey and what led you to do the work that you are doing now and also the work that you are doing mm. now. What, what is your work about? So I'm an activist by nature. And then I found out that I was bringing out the worst in men in the same way that Kimberly did in the Queen's Coat. So that thing that used to happen to her in chapter, chapter one, that happened to me. And, but I didn't have a Claudia. I didn't, I didn't have a grandmother who knew anything. In fact, my grandmother was the opposite. So funny. And so I, I decided to find out from men. Oh, I, I should study men. And this question popped into my head. What if men are responding to women? And what's relevant about that, especially in what you want to talk to me about today, is that in listening to men, I got to find out ways that they are and are not responding to women. And mostly we have it backwards. We don't think, take things personally that we should, and we do think, take things personally that have nothing to do with this. A man's got to do what a man's got to do. And it doesn't matter how much he, much he loves you or how beautiful he thinks you are or how you're everything he ever wanted. If certain things aren't in place, he just can't, right? And when and we think if they love us more, they'll do everything, right? And and we think if if a man feels the right way about you, then he'll treat you the right way. And we get very confused because he doesn't treat us the way we think he should if he feels the way he says he feels, right? But it, again, it's all interpreted through how a woman would think that works. So I honestly only intended to study them for a couple of months because I thought they were shallow and soulless and superficial. And I would learn everything that was worth learning very quickly. Oh, gosh, my disdain for men, it, it makes me sick now to, to think of it, um, especially when I see it in other people and know that I was like that. So now 32 years later, instead of two or three months, two or three decades um, going on more, started out being totally surprised at who I found out men really are versus who we think they are. And then wondering why couldn't we see that? Oh, because women are like this. It's how women are that makes us blind to men and how men are that makes them blind to women because we think we're versions of each other and we're not versions of each other. So female characteristics that men described to me that then I went and started studying women. And and then I, after seeing all these things that, okay, this is men and this is women, then a whole other layer showed up because I started taking bioidentical hormones and started experiencing the world very different with testosterone. Like, oh my gosh, no wonder they pride themselves on keeping a grip on their emotions. <laughs> They're like a hundred times bigger than than my normal one. <laughs> <It's> like, whoa! <laughs> and wow. So that 
Yeah. So, so then looking at hormones and hor- hormones affect our minds and our minds affect our hormones. And, and then beyond that was, wait, that's not male or female. That's human. All humans do that, whether they're male or female. And then it even got deeper than that. It's like, oh, that's not just purely human behavior, like distinct from the rest of the planet. That's herd behavior and pack behavior. Mm-hmm. Oh, because we're both prey and predators. And oh, and it, and then these hormones shape our brains and have us be better at hunting and gathering. And we can actually cause who we're being. And <laughs> so so it's, it's more like I keep getting deeper, you know, like closer to the center of the earth. And part of that has a profound effect on safety. And it has to do with what I call the hierarchy of instincts of procreate, then protect, then provide. And procreate trumps. And trumps protect and protect trumps provide. And men can't protect women when they're protecting themselves from women. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And and we want men to just overflow in providing for us. And we don't know that there are things we do that he experiences as an attack for good reason. To us, we don't think it's a good reason, <laughs> right? He experiences as an attack and, and it could be an attack on his resources. So he's got to protect his resources, like when we don't appreciate something. But it could be attack on himself, on who he is. And that's that's when we see the worst in men. And unfortunately, that's who we think men are. No, both men and women under attack are horrid. (laughs) Whether it's fight, flight, or freeze, it's merciless, often honorless, boundaryless, right? So that's, I tried, where I came from and what I'm doing. (laughs) And my passion is partnership. How can we make small adjustments and have this be divine, have this be elegant, have this be beautiful? Yeah. Thank you for sharing. And I must say your work is very successful. It's had profound effects on me in my relationship. I share with you uh, just a tiny little history about my relationship. But for the listener who doesn't know, I've known my partner for 20 years. So there's a long history and lots of baggage and... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we haven't been together the uh, for the entirety of, of those 20 years. We had a break and did separate things and had partners in between and stuff. And then we got back together about a decade ago. And now we're married and we have a son who's four and another baby on the way. And boy, we've been through the the boundaryless, the merciless uh, fights or the... <laughs> We've been through the mud. And I think what we're experiencing now is the lotus, right? No mud, no lotus. Mm -hmm. And your work contributed to Mm -hmm. me seeing how I was severely attacking the roots of my husband, like attacking his, Mm -hmm. his, in a way, his essence. And it was, yeah, merciless. And I did it because I thought I had the right to do so because he was treating me in, in all these different ways and small adjustments had a huge impact. And you talk about that in your book, The Queen's Code, and in many other places on um, the internet and podcasts, et cetera. And there are a few things that I want to focus on today because obviously you're, well, I see you as a bottomless well of wisdom and obviously three decades is a lot of time to study and, and understand things. So there's an endlessness to the things that we could talk to, but there is a time limitation And one thing that I see women struggle with so much in my line of work in sexuality is safety, safety around Mm. men, safety, feeling safe with men physically, emotionally, relationally, and of course, sexually, feeling safe, feeling that penises and cocks are safe, that they're bringers of pleasure and joy and not some tool of mass distraction and pain, right? Many women have experienced uh, non-consensual sex, myself included. And so there are lived experiences of unsafety. And oftentimes when I bring this up and I say, men are for good, you ought to love men, they will heal you, shift your narrative. There's more, more than before, there's a very positive response, which I'm really happy about. Some women go, yes, finally, someone's saying it. Someone says I can love men and that's amazing. But there's also a lot of pushback from a lot of women who says, oh, you know, that's bullshit and the patriarchy and not and um, 
some men are good, but not all men. And I say, well, that's sexist. And they go, yeah, but we're entitled to that because look at the world. And I go, <laughs> well, you're perpetuating yes. it, right? Like how are we going to change? But so, and I see what you talk about in the book is why women punish men. And I think this is so key to understand first. I wrote it down. So I'll walk the listener through it just to summarize. But you say the core issue why women punish men is because women compare men to an idolized woman. And so when they do things wrong to us, they do it on purpose, which means they're misbehaving. And if someone's misbehaving, obviously they got to be punished. And if mm -hmm. there's consistent misbehavior, like all men, right? All men are misbehaving, the patriarchy and men, and then we need to take their power away from them because they don't deserve their power. And then if all men belong, well, if men belong to this group of misbehaving and <laughs> powerful, dangerous people, we need to remove their power preemptively. So we need to punish them. And this is how women relate to men. And when you mm -hmm. broke it down that way, I was like, holy fuck. This is yes. so true. <laughs> because they're big and scary. They're so much stronger than us. And they're, they can be very dangerous. And you yes. talk about laying down the sword and stop castrating men. But then how do you protect yourself as a woman? So I set the scene, like how, <laughs> where do you go from here? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Oh my gosh. So much to say. Just so I don't forget, on our website, dallasarmstrong.com, near the bottom of the homepage, it says, why are men and women so different? And if you click on that graphic, it's a free sample. It's about a half an hour of near the beginning of our Understanding Women online course. And so you'll see me teaching a co-ed audience and talking to them about safety. And because the thing that makes women the most, women and men the most different is our relationship to safety. And you mentioned it just now, they're bigger and stronger. And they do so many things because they're bigger and stronger. Like, it's teasing my boyfriend because he's bigger and stronger. If something isn't moving, his reaction is to force it. <laughs> that that's that's their reaction is force. They use their strength and they they're it's unconscious their strength and they break things. <laughs> I've seen my four year old doing this. exactly. They just they break so many things and so. One of the things that you'll see in that video is I ask the men to take their own hands and to squeeze their hand as hard as they can without breaking anything. So make it hurt, but don't break your own bones, which they could do. They're that strong. And then after that, I ask them to offer their hand to a woman near them and have her squeeze his hand. And the looks on their faces when they finally realize she really is squeezing as hard as she can, they're just stunned. They, they had no idea how much weaker women are than men. They, they, don't, they don't get it. And, and they don't know that we can't not forget it, right? That we have a constant awareness of being smaller and weaker. So once we can bring that to a conscious level, right, for both men and women, how men have reacted to it consistently since we started that course in 2008 was Okay, how can I make her feel safe? What do I do to make her feel safe? They're horrified to find out how much of the time we have fear. And so I had to start teaching them, you can't. <laughs> yeah. You can help a woman to feel safe. But ultimately, because it's an instinctual response, we're scanning for threats all the time. It's a conscious decision a woman has to make. I am safe enough. And when we stop inadvertently or purposely attacking men and find out how protective they naturally are and immediately begin expressing, like you saw in the Queen's Code, you heard in the Queen's Code, once you start to experience that enough, that how much men will protect us. And yeah, there are bad men and bad women. I think there's an equal percentage, maybe 5%. And there's something in our free stuff. If you look under free on our website, you can hear about unhealthy men, the secrets of early detection, and you can hear about my point of view about narcissism and what's important to pay attention to instead of just labels. And so it's 
amazing. I mean, it's stunning for me to discover when I stopped attacking men, how immediately protective they became of me, even if they didn't know me. And even if they weren't pleased with me, even if they were irritated by me or downright angry with me. And, you know, that part of the Queen's Code, when a woman can see it, that even when they're furious, what they're trying to do is protect us from them. And often how they do that is with their feet, as in they walk away. They remove themselves from the scene. They want to give themselves a chance to cool down, not do something that they would be ashamed of. And unfortunately, we follow them. <laughs> We're going to chase down and resolve that conflict. And men avoid conflict because they know how it can escalate. They know their own natures. They've been having to deal with their own natures and have a grip on their emotions, the combination of their emotion and their strength. They've had to deal with that since they were little. And it's so much bigger than we know it is. And once I started taking testosterone and experience anger like a man, I felt like I was at an atomic bomb that was going to explode with the energy in my body, I started to have so much more respect for their control, for their consideration, for how they set themselves up to avoid situations that are going to cause that reaction in themselves. They try so hard to be responsible. And then like I did in my first marriage, I jumped up and down on my husband's buttons and expected him to keep his shit together. Mm. <laughs> I'm glad that you swore early on that made me very happy. Okay, good. Um, I'm a sweat. Yeah, I, I curse a lot. Well, we, we have a policy on swearing, and that is that we do for accuracy. Yeah. Not for effect, but for accuracy. If you tone down the truth, you tone down the transformation. <laughs> and that is and true. I, we really do. I love we, that. We expect, yeah, we expect men to keep their shit together yeah. while we are jumping up and down. And having no idea, yes, we're so vulnerable to them because of physical strength. And they're so vulnerable to us because they love us and need us so much. Mm. And, and we don't know that. And once you start finding that out, like, we want mercy, mercy on men. Yeah. <laughs> and if you could look at the patriarch, for, for example, and the pushback that you were talking about, Oh boy, I got that in 1995 when we started doing our workshop called Celebrating Men, Satisfying Women. The, oh my goodness. So yeah, the pushback's been here for a long, long time and it'll keep being here. But what if, what if the power struggles are completely reactive and have gone on for so long, this misunderstanding that it's enculturated and systematized? And what I'm passionate about is the domain of partnership where if you have more power, I have more power. The power is we. It's, it's our power. So if I disempower you, I've disempowered myself because I've disempowered what's possible between us. Yeah. And it, it doesn't mean you can do it with everybody, but it's one of the biggest things I teach people these days. What are the signs that something good could happen here? And what are the signs that... <laughs> this is not set up for good. This is set up for bad. And uh, the primary thing being too much chemistry and the other thinking there is a power struggle mm. and being engaged. So thank you. So one thing that really stood out to me and that I thought about when you were sharing was I think the one time that I hurt my husband the most was when I told him that I was afraid of him. I remember after becoming parents and going through the pandemic, things were rough in our relationship for a while. It was rough mm -hmm. to become parents and to re-navigate everything. You know, there was that baby bomb and it blew up everything. And, and so we navigated that and we had lots of conflicts. And when he gets angry or upset, and usually he tells me, I'm not angry, I'm sad but it comes out as anger, right? And so I interpret everything as anger. But anyways, he was angry, I think. And I was afraid of him. I literally, like my body responds to fear, with fear oftentimes when he raises his voice. And I see this with my dad as well and my brother. You know, I have big, tall Scandinavian brother and dad, you know, the big people. 
And so when they get upset, I usually respond with fear. And I remember as a little kid as well, when my dad, you know, he can be quite authoritarian and, you know, or just when he set down the foot and like, no, I would respond with fear. Right. And so I told my husband at some point, I'm afraid of you. You scare me. And I've never seen him like the vulnerability of the hurt in his eyes. I realized that I hurt him by being afraid of him because he said, I would never hurt you. How can you even? think that right and so it really struck a nerve in me when you said that that just how much they control themselves to avoid hurting us and how much effort they have to summon within themselves to control themselves and their anger and aggression and there's also something around that I've learned from the Taoist tradition with positive and negative poles in people in women and in men so they say that the positive pole which is the power center in women is the emotional center. That's where we're strong. We can penetrate. We can fight with our emotions. And our sexual center is our negative pole. That's where we're receptive. That's where we're more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And in men, it's the reversed. Their negative pole is in their heart. That's where they're more receptive. That's where they're more vulnerable. That's where they need more foreplay. You can't just go in there and penetrate and yell and pull it out. (laughs) But their genitals, obviously... Erect, penetrative force, that's how they like move through the world and kind of penetrate. And what you're saying really makes me understand that as well and helps me see the differences between men and women, how we can, you know, jump on their hearts and push their buttons and they will run away and protect themselves emotionally rather than the other way around. We could go so many places from there. I still remember the tears in my late husband's eyes when I told him, that I was afraid of it. And most men will react that way. It's stunning to them that we would be afraid of them. And almost all women, I, I don't know if I've ever met one who didn't have the same reaction that you described to a raised voice, that, you know, a raised voice and then a raised hand. That's how we relate to it. And talking to men about it, to them, a raised voice is meaningless. It isn't <laughs> even effective. It isn't even, it doesn't punctuate well. It's just a raised voice. So for us to be afraid when they raise their voice, usually they usually raise their voice the way all human beings do. If I'm not being heard, I'll talk louder. (laughs) So when we're not connecting, we're not feeling seen and heard, we'll get louder and louder and louder. And that's all they're doing. They're just trying to communicate. And it's instinctual to get louder. I'm not being heard. Talk louder. And they don't know that it very quickly goes over an edge where our limbic system is completely activated and we're going to go into some kind of fight, flight, freeze sequence, whatever our deal is. I'm a fighter, first and foremost. Some people, their their first reaction is to flee. My husband's, his, my late husband's reaction was to freeze. Yes. So there's my ex-husband, there's my late husband, and there's my boyfriend. (laughs) <laughs> going to keep those characters straight. Yeah, and, so we uh, know what we're talking about here. Yes, so we know. Yeah. We have an ability to crush them is the word that they use. I was crushed. And you can see it in their bodies. It looks like somebody ran over their collarbone and their shoulders. And that term crest fallen, like, right, this is the crest. And so they, they're like this. And you can see men walking around that way. They have been crushed repeatedly. And often by them having an expression of caring, they really care, which is the riskiest thing for them. They're free until they care. (laughs) And then they care and they are no longer free. And they'll express their care in the best way that they can think of. If we haven't told them the best way that it would be for us, and they express their care in ways that women interpret as controlling, as patronizing, as arrogant, as demeaning, disrespectful. And they don't know that. They they mean well, and they don't know that we're interpreting it that way. Like when they tell us the same story again and again. What, you think I'm stupid? Right? We don't know. Like Claudia talks about in the Queen's Code, we don't know that they tell stories for a different reason than women do. And we would be, you know, apologize. I'm sorry if I told you this before. So 
There's so much to unravel. No wonder I've been at it for so long. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you have been. And so you mentioned that a woman needs to cultivate safety within herself in order to feel safe around men. And I guess part of that work is realizing your triggers, right? Seeing the patterns, realizing that raised voice, having a conversation with your partner about it, what it means, getting clear and clarity on that. But I've heard you talk about also the importance of embodying feelings, embodying safety and being embodied and the relationship between femininity and being embodied. And I have you know, a whole body of work around this, but I would love to hear your perspective on that and how that relates to safe relating to men, especially in sexuality. Oh, golly. Huge. It's just huge. I'll go from, let's see, let's go macro to mano. So my view, okay, my view of humanity, and I think the, the right word is philosophy, my theory on humanity is that, and it's not unusual, that we're both instinctual and we're spiritual. And so we have two different nervous systems. And if we don't embody our spiritual values, we don't get it into this physical body, then under stress, we only have instinct. So who we consider ourselves to be as spiritual beings, if we don't have that feeling in our body, it isn't there for us other than as a concept. And we'll say, oh, shoot, I forgot. I forgot to be compassionate. I forgot to be patient. Well, yes, under stress, we're going to have fight, flight, or freeze. And we'll either lie or puff up or get physical or get loud. We'll do whatever we do argumentative, critical, all these kinds of things that we do, or we shut down and withhold and withdraw, which is also like depriving men of oxygen. <laughs> they, need, they need our life force. So as we interact with the awareness, if we can build the awareness of what is it about that I am perceiving a threat. I just felt my my system rev up in an instinctual way, and the easiest way to tell is you feel tension, and I feel tense. Okay, what did I see as a threat? Or what did I see as an opportunity that now the threat is I would miss it, right? Or be unequal to it. And so if we can start to see the perception of threats, I'm very into release work. I love Heldwaskin and the Sedona Method. We use three of the Sedona Methods in our online course called Lux. And we literally release primal needs slash primal threats. Like for everyone, the perception of, a, of I'm not respected, especially men, that is a primal threat, an absence of respect. Well, we release the need for respect, which means we stop betraying ourselves in order to earn or preserve respect. <laughs> it changes the whole ballgame. So most of my work is shift from human normal, human instinct to, okay, and the human spirit. So being held to account for my expectations, <laughs> that's normal, versus, okay, there's something that I really need to be the best version of myself. Are you willing to be countable for providing it? And if you are, what would you need from me in order to win at that? Totally opposite conversations, totally different reaction. Totally different response. Do you know, holding men to account for fulfilling our expectations drives them nuts and furious and hopeless. It gives them despair. (laughs) Yeah. And I also think I've heard several times my husband say, but your expectations and your needs change all the time. So it's never enough. I can never win. Poor guy. I can never win. Yeah. And that's the thing we have to, we have to distinguish between what do we actually need, and I, I've been, I talk about this a lot, an actual need has a big cost and a big payoff. There's a huge benefit in who you can be. And sleep is one of the best examples. Quality alone time is one of the best examples versus an expectation, which the only thing if an expectation is met, then we're not upset. But it's not a big benefit. We're just not pissed that our preference or our should you should know that. You should do that. I shouldn't have to tell you. That's the only thing that happens when expectations 
are met. There isn't a big benefit unless you needed it to be who you're committed to being. And it's even worse. We talk about this in Lex. It's not only do we have expectations, but we have expectations of what their expectations of ours should be. Like we worry that we're not meeting the expectation we think someone should have of us. (laughs) But we don't We don't check it out and we don't convert it. I'm, I'm all about examine the expectation. If it's not a need, release it. <laughs> Take all yeah. the steam out of it because we're doomed. We're doomed by our expectation. And may I tell you something else? Could, yeah. Can I just tell you this? Because you walked into my office when you said it. What's your husband's first name, by the way? Hi, love. I'm going to take a minute of your time and just let you know that you can download my free honeypot practice by clicking on the link in the show notes. The honeypot practice is one of my all-time favorite meditation slash visualization practices that has an immediate effect on making you feel like lit up and buzzing inside and in deep connection with your sexual organs. It's so, so, so delicious. It's a simple yet incredibly sweet and potent visualization for feeling a deep connection with your sexual organs. So download it, do it a few times, and reap the benefits. (laughs) Okay, back to the episode. Farzan. F-R-F-A-R-Z. Yeah. A-N. He's, is it um, Persian? Yes, he's Persian. Yeah, I'm an honorary Persian. So, Farzin. Okay, so consider the possibility that you and Farzin don't have any baggage. You don't have baggage because if you're going to have baggage, you have to have like a place to keep it. And people think a relationship is a place that keeps the baggage and also keeps all the love and care. Like a safe deposit box. What if there's no such thing? What if we're under an illusion? That's what Lex is about, is, you know, turning on the lights if there's an illusion. And it keeps us from having extraordinary relationships. But just what if you don't have any baggage? (laughs) What if there's maybe expectations to release or to clear or to transform into agreements and accountabilities? That can be awesome. So... Okay, now we need to go back to the original question, safety. So yes, as a woman, when our instincts are activated, right, it'll be to the perception of a threat or an opportunity, which becomes a threat. But if we have embodied, if we've gotten the sleep we know we need, if we've gotten the time in nature that gives us whole new capacities to be present, if we've had alone time or quality time with those people in our lives that just... It's like nectar, just a little sip, and we get filled up with ways of being that we love. If we have that, then when we perceive the threat, when we've embodied those things by getting those needs met, we have an alternative that we can choose. It becomes a viable choice, a viable alternative, even under that stress, to go, okay, I'm going to go with compassion here (laughs) instead of off with their head, right? Or run, right? Yeah. Hmm. Let's try compassion. And there's that moment in the Queen's Code, right? When Kimberly takes a moment, right? Here's this threat she's used to. And then she's like, wait a second. And it changes everything. Yeah. So safety, our, we call it the cave woman within, is never going to say we're safe enough. Just like we're never going to be perfect enough. (laughs) So she's scanning for that. And then there's the conscious choice. I'm safe enough. I'm safe enough because, first of all, I'm surrounded by people who protect me. I live, most of us live, if if you're listening to this, we live in societies that that have certain standards of protection and what's not okay. And then if we can start to pick up on our creepometer. Too often women have a creepy feeling about a man, but they'll have a chemical reaction to him, a sexual attraction that has them overlook the creepy feeling. And I talk about the effects of too much chemistry for like 
35 minutes in Are You Dating in the Dark? So I'm not going to do it here. But when we have too much chemistry, we betray ourselves and we betray our intuition and we put ourselves in dangerous situations. And I did that as a young woman. And when you're, I liked the way that you put it, non-consensual sex, because I didn't know until later through Luann Brizendine's work that one of the things that testosterone does is creates a different level of sensitivity to tone. So we talk about this in the Making Sense of Men book, that if you and I, right, if I said, Erica, let's go to the movies. And you said, okay, I know you did not want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you really don't want to do that, but you, you know, don't want to hurt my feelings or, but that, that's a no. Totally. A man would hear okay. Oh, wow. And, and unfortunately, one of the things, like, when we're afraid, when a man is touching us in physically in a way that we haven't given permission and we didn't want to go there, most women will have a freeze response. We would be better off with slapping them across their faces. But especially when it happens in the workplace by somebody who we feel dependent upon, that freeze response Literally, and it's not because they're evil. Men take it as a yes. If you didn't stop me, if you didn't say no, if you didn't push my hand away, if I didn't say, don't you ever, and I said this to a man, don't you ever touch me again. <laughs> and I said it in front of all these people because he like reached out playfully that in a way that was no. <laughs> <laughs> we have to have a big reaction to what's not okay or it doesn't get through. So I ended up in a situation where I made a huge decision about who I was. Oh, I guess all I'm good for is sex. Just because I didn't know I had to speak up and say, no, I don't want to do this. Instead of thinking that my coldness, what people would interpret as frigidity, frigidity, does that remind you of freeze? <laughs> Freeze is a fear response. It's not a yes. I mean, I don't know if you know about Burning Man, but because of our work, they started doing classes at Burning Man to teach men if she freezes, that means no. <laughs> yeah. It had to be taught. So we have to get louder. We have to be our own biggest advocate. We have to employ our sheepdogs. About that. The, the sheep and the wolves. <laughs> but there's one thing I have. Yeah. Um, I have a whole episode on on safety, how to be sexy and sexual and be safe in the world. And one thing that I talk about in that episode and that I teach clients and students is the need for the necessity, which you mentioned here just now, the necessity to be able to say an embodied no, but say it in a way that is respectful. And it's not about being nice and kind because you're a woman, but so when men flirt with you, for example, at, at a bar or in places or at the gym to be able to say no and maintain a positive connection with that person, right? And so what I teach is like on that basic level in, in the street, it's like saying thank you for having the courage to come up to me and share that compliment with me or asking for my number, but I'm not interested. I wish you the best of luck with the next woman. Thank you so much. Have a nice day. I used to be the woman who gave out my number and then like thought about changing my number because I didn't want him to call. And I used to <laughs> I would, just give me out. Yeah. Yeah. I used to say the wrong number, but then men started like, all right, I'll just call you and make sure that you that it works or that you get my number. And I was like, shit, I gave him the wrong number. Oh, wait, sorry, that was a wrong digit. And I would fix the number. You know, I did all the things to avoid saying no. And I've also been in non-consensual situations where I've said, Maybe, okay, I don't really. And then you're halfway through intercourse and you're like, I really don't want to do this. So I know what it's like to feel really scared and disempowered around men. But I, I have seen myself and when I teach this to women, I see the immediate effect it has. And it's not that complicated to say no, but it feels so hard because we're so afraid of the reaction. But oftentimes if we say no in a pleasant way or in a good way, the reaction is positive and it can be a positive interaction and one that leaves both parts feeling like this was enjoyable and it hasn't ruined my day, right? So I love what you do 
in your area, right? My husband would often say, when I die, I want you to remarry. And that made sense. He was 11 years older and we had little kids. But then as we got older and our kids were off to college and he would still say that, I have a different reaction. And the last time he said it, which was about a year before she died unexpectedly, you know, so when I die, I want you to get married again. I was like, why? Well, I want you to be cared for and I want you to be protected. I want you to be touched and you need affection and, you know, (laughs) bushy eyebrows. And I thought about it and I said, could I just be an old slut? Uh, Yes. (laughs) I love that. I thought it was going to be another 20 years before it was gone. Like, but I could just be a slut. And he's paused and he's like, well, I guess I wouldn't care. And so when you talked about the slut academy, right? Like just this freedom and permission to share and interact and have pleasure. And after she died, which is almost four years ago now, began a whole new era of my life of going, okay. I have been this, you know, monogamous wife for almost 30 years. I'm going to take this out and find out what it can do. Yes, I love it. How much pleasure can this thing handle? And so I'm all for that. And we talk about this in Making Sense of Men, that there are at least two kinds of attraction and understanding them is so important. Because there's the kind of attraction that has a man care about you, be vulnerable to you, want to give to you, take care of you, contribute to you, fall in love with you. He might become a mentor or an extra big brother. Or if he's also attracted to you physically, it may become romantic. And it's amazing. That's where all the goodies come from. And then there's being what they call just physical. What's going on with you and her? Well, it's just physical. That means the only part of who he is that's being called to the party is his body, his penis. His heart hasn't been invited. His mind hasn't been invited. His soul hasn't been invited. All that she's invited is his penis. That's all she's talking to is his penis. And unfortunately, our instincts and our culture teach us that that's the way to interact with men that that's how to get what we need is by making sure that they're attracted to us sexually. Well, it's like trying to bring out the best in somebody by making them hungry. (laughs) And then say, no, you can't take anything out of the refrigerator. And so I just, for our safety and for better choices, it takes like a you know how like jalapeno pepper, it takes just one seed for something to be hot. It just takes an intimation of curves, of sensual energy, of sexual energy. Just the tiniest bit is all it takes to cause it a weakness. And, you know, I define flirting as the communication, I desire you. And it can be verbal, it can be energetic, it can be a look, but it's I desire you. And it's a communication to be very careful with, <laughs> to, to reserve. Like I show that part of me. I showed it to my husband and I show it to my boyfriend. He's the only one that I express that to because he's the only one whose hunger I'm going to satisfy. Mm. And so I don't walk around the world that way just because it keeps me from having to deal with unwanted invitations. I just don't get them. And I haven't gotten them since I started studying men in 1991. Even though I'm constantly admiring them, having eye contact with them, talking to them, smiling at them, all the things that many women are afraid to do. I just never let that out, Mm. except in a very targeted way. And it's part of keeping myself safe. Does does that make sense? It makes a ton of sense. And with that knowledge, you can understand as a woman when you cultivate sensuality and sexuality within yourself for your own goodness, you can circle that through your system. You can use that to light yourself up. You can be orgasmic and feel amazing, which is all the things I teach, right? But you choose Mm -hmm. to keep that for yourself. I I like to use the metaphor of a fountain. So you know Mm -hmm. how Chinese Ah, houses, the roof, 
Yeah. So you circulate it back into yourself so that you feel yeah. filled up. You know, you can radiate all of that beauty, but you keep it for yourself within yourself and you don't let it just leak everywhere and, you know, beautiful. Throw it beautiful. out everywhere onto people who are are one, not wanting it, not ready for it, or not capable of receiving it. And so there's a very important lesson there too that you're sharing. It's understanding how men respond to, I mean, you activate their senses, right? They go, uh, when you send that energy out, if you start flirting, and then you got to deal with it. Yeah. And it's one of the things that has men be angry. Mm -hmm. And I asked a panel of men once, how much skin does a woman need to show for you to be reminded that her entire body is covered in this exquisite material? Because our skin is stunning to men. We're so soft. And then if we're happy or content, the energy that comes off of our skin literally nurtures them. And so I asked, how much skin does a woman have to show to remind you her entire body is covered? The man went like this. The face. Just this much. This, and it wasn't even the whole face. Just this much. Finally, work has made sense. And I know that's a bad thing to say because it got yeah. all taken out of context. Because I was going to, you know, because obviously it brings us into that conversation that men are primitive. They can't control themselves. A woman, woman shouldn't have to cover up in order to feel safe in society, et cetera, et cetera. And then we go down that rabbit hole and it kind of loops us back to the beginning of men are misbehaving and they can't control themselves and they're primal animals. Yeah. And well, we all are. We all are. We have our own very primitive responses. I mean, yay, the things that women do to survive and get their needs met, that is, it's not kind. It's not pretty. It's not ethical. It's not honest. We're all capable of that. And there's a difference between blame and responsibility. Mm -hmm. And blame isn't really very effective in any direction. But if we can understand that different reactions. Like I teach men, why if you ask a woman, how are you? Why the answer is so long. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So, and when they understand why our answer to how are you is as long as it is, and then I tell them what to do instead, then they don't have to be pissed at women for I was just saying, how are you to be polite? And then I'm held in this grip of her talking for a half an hour and I'm furious, right? It just as if we don't emit this radioactive substance that has amazing people become penis oriented <laughs> and that just become a prick, like literally become a prick because that's what we put out there. Now, are there men who are going to be that no matter what? Yes, shut them down quickly. But mostly we're aggravating it. And I watched it in my son. He was all of 15 years old. I was dropping him off at the airport to go back to his dad. And there were these young women in short shorts with their little butts falling out the bottom and their little boobies coming out the top. And I watched him watching them. And he had a sneer on his face. And I just said, Jeff, they don't know what they're doing to you. And he said, oh, yes, they do. And I mean, my son is stunning and has been since birth. And his highest value is honor, which now at almost 35 years old, his embodiment of that is, is spectacular. But he was sure they knew they were causing this terrible longing and this inability to focus on anything else by how they were being and what they were showing he thought they were torturing him on purpose and it made him angry. He felt attacked by it. And that's the thing in us not understanding male sexuality, how much we throw them off balance. Our sexuality throws them off balance and that's scary to them. Yeah. So, and then they have to protect themselves from us, right? And then they can't protect us. And I am all for boundaries. I am all for protecting yourselves. I am honor yourself first or all is lost. But also could we have some understanding of what's actually going on instead of we do what we want to do and then we're pissed at how they respond. Yeah. What I if love that's that. just 
right? Yeah. That's like getting pissed at a woman for her getting pissed at a man for talking down to her. You talk down to her, she's going to get pissed. <laughs> Stop talking down to her. Stop deciding and providing and thinking you know better. Ask instead, I'd like to provide this for you. Is this something you'd feel honored by? No, that would be insulting. <laughs> or that would be unwelcome. I love how you, how, you, how you categorize it into responsibility or blame. And I think these days with the evolution of feminism, unfortunately, we've seen an unhealthy swing towards entitlement and blame. We can do whatever we want. I should be able to do this. For example, in the gym, I've been going to the gym for a long time. And so I follow a lot of gym accounts and people who work out and stuff. Yes. And women who go to the gym in these skimpy outfits and fair enough, you know, wear whatever you want. But don't expect men not to look if you're showing your ass. I mean, what are you going like, to? It's like. The sun's out. Everyone looks at the sun. I mean, literally, I would look. I would look yeah. at her ass if she's wearing these little things. And and if I was a man and I was attracted by it, I would look. Then why does it hurt somebody to be looked at? And if it hurts you to be looked at, why are you showing it? Exactly. Or like a man asked me early, early on. Uh, early on, a man said, so if you're not supposed to look, what is the purpose of cleavage? Yeah. And he was very earnest about it. Right? Like, he's quite confused by that. This is a man in his 40s, yeah. right? Someone that most of them would find really attractive and had been in a lot of their trouble for looking at cleavage. Aren't I supposed to? Is it the whole <laughs> You're showing it? So I look. Wouldn't it be insulting for me to not look? Right? We're, we're so confused. Yeah. And that's why I love providing space for women to be, you know, undressed and super sexy super slutty with women only because we need to express it like it's a joy and doing it's that wonderful. in doing that in female only spaces where we can be as slutty and whorish and expressive or whatever but with just women around it's amazing it's amazing because it's just women just want to express that power and that radiance without it having to lead to anything. But when we do it in the world where there's men around, it leads to something and then we don't want to deal with the consequences. So it's not that it's right or wrong. It's just in which environment, under which circumstances can we do what and what accept the consequences yeah. that it has. Yeah. I want to say lastly, just thank you. And the concept of, we didn't have a chance to talk about it, but the concept of wolves and herd dogs or dogs how most men are these sheep safe dogs. sheep dogs yeah these safe yes. providers of safety like that's shifted my reality of my understanding of men so much that of course there are bad men out there like you said there are bad women too but most men would hurt themselves in order to protect us right and that's like really loyal sheep dogs do you want to say anything before we wrap up about anything else about your work and where they can find you? Obviously, we'll include links below and in the show notes and stuff like that. But is there anything else you want to mention? Just thank you. Thank you for what you do. And I feel very blessed at this point in my life to have a partner who, from the very beginning in the area of sexuality, what we have provided for each other is we keep having it be safe for the other person to say what's true for them, what's mm -hmm. real for them. And being really honest and talking about what matters to us and even like Jaya Love's work on the erotic blueprints, sharing that information before we ever met in person because we knew we wanted to have a sexual romantic relationship. And so we talked about all that stuff before we ever met. And things that we tried together where there's something he wanted me to do. And I said, okay, I don't know how to do that. And I will if you promise to coach me. He has kept that promise now for two and a half years, right? Of so much safety, so much encouragement, so much ability to stop and ask questions. I mean, right from the very beginning, I didn't have this in my marriage. It was very hard for me to talk about sex and once I got better at talking about sex, I found out my husband could not talk about sex. Mm -hmm. And so to get to be with someone where we both get to talk and even like something we call that the after game, the after game highlights. Okay, what did you love about that? We literally will debrief 
right? And we and we keep learning. We keep learning and keep learning and keep learning. And it's a process that within like six weeks of having been bedmates, we acknowledge the other person is the best lover we'd ever had. And it wasn't because of how much, yeah, it wasn't because how much time had passed. And he's still even the best lover I've ever had on top of the best lover that he was. So it just keeps getting better. But there's that safety is something that you grant each other. Yeah. And you ask for it and you give it. And then when it seems unsafe, you say it. Your reaction felt unsafe to me. Oh, I'm so sorry. And even better to say that seems unsafe. What made it seem that way, right? The word seem, it seems like, instead of it feels like or it's true, it seems like you're angry. It seems like this is uncomfortable for you. It seems like you don't want to do that. It seems like that oh, makes it safe to then talk about it instead of someone having to defend themselves. I'm so happy <laughs> for you. You're embodying this lot. And the last, the final thing I want to say is a key thing that I notice in all your work is curiosity, right? Curiosity brought you here. Curiosity is the yeah. like the magic elixir that instead of assuming, attacking, defending, you just ask. That seems that is such mm -hmm. a key element, and so I, I just rec recognized that it became so clear to me. Yeah, That's thank wonderful. you. And All it right. comes from the Greek word that means to care. Curiosity. Yeah, comes from the Greek word that means to care. Wow. Yeah, if you care, curious. What a perfect way to end. You <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> might dear. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank Be you. Well, bye-bye. Okay, my friend, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. I hope you learned something new today or that I reminded you of something you already knew or do and that you feel inspired and encouraged to prioritize sex, pleasure, and orgasms in your busy life. If you love this podcast, please share it with your friends and give it a rating or review so this important message can reach more people on this planet. Thank you so much for being here and I'll see you next time.